0: we have to start again. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to woman 's place. Um, my name is Tina, and this is Sirka and we are for new listeners here we are a small podcast in Ireland that is looking into the social, political, and historical lives of Irish women. Now this is the third time I've said this for this particular um, podcast because uh, we made some boo-boos with the recordings, so we've come along again. Um, This is our third time saying hello to everyone from all around the world, so I'm just going to quickly say it because But we wanted to say hi and welcome to everyone who's listening. Um, we actually have listeners from Australia, United States, uh, UK, France. Bienvenue, uh, les écouteurs françaises, Canada, um, Norway, Argentina, India, Spain, Peru, Belgium, Bulgaria, Finland, Greece, Cambodia, Portugal and Uruguay. Um, which Circa is the most excited about? So, we um welcome everyone, and thank you so much for listening. It is an honor to have such a international audience um so we're delighted and if you are listening from around the world somewhere or even in Ireland, which is you know my favorite place, then please do get in contact and send up us, us a dm especially the French if you are france you're if you were France and you are listening to this. Please <laughs> message me, message us, Um, let us know if you are native English speakers living in France or native French speakers, why why you're listening to the podcast, how you found the podcast, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Today we're talking about um witchcraft, so I had this idea of doing a podcast on witchcraft and of course it's such a like dense subject and there's many, many, many different ways we could come from it, so we're just doing... W- we trying to focus a little bit it down today onto um, the so the relationship between plagues and and witches or um, how basically how witches are to blame to for for this pandemic or for the Black Death or for typhoid. Um, how I got this idea for this podcast was because we're looking at like Sarka did some research and I picked up on a few things that she'd said and I found a an article on Britannica um on Britannica.com and it just started off a little bit of a um a spiral, I suppose, where it said that um witches are regularly credited with causing all manner of disease and disaster, sickness and even death as well. As a host of lesser misfortunes are routinely laid at their door, in many parts of Africa and Asia, epidemics and natural disasters have been interpreted as acts of witchcraft. And of course, not just in Africa and Asia, you can see it right now. It just like, cause it like set off a uh, like a bell in my head. I was like, we're doing that right now with Batwoman or Bat Lady. Now, if you don't know who Batwoman or Bat Lady is. She's the woman who's the head. She's a head scientist virologist in um the Wuhan virology lab in in China, and she had her face and her name has been plastered all over, especially right wing media in the West, being like this woman has been studying coronaviruses and bats, and look, there's a bat coronavirus. So so they're saying, and they're accusing her of um. Deliberately creating a coronavirus um, orig- that uh, and releasing it out into the atmosphere, and I just thought that that was crazy. I was like, "Wow, we're we are doing this." What this Britannica article said about like how witches are being blamed. I was like, "That's a modern example of that." And so we said, "I we set about looking into the relationship." between disease and witches and it led us all the way back to the plague and actually let us let us get there's such a like a a strong connection with with um with epidemics and pandemics and disaster and blaming witches for it so we're gonna like take you through through a bit of that history and hopefully you will be as excited and astounded and amazed by um all of it as much as we were. So um, uh, is going to give us a little bit of an overview for the third time on um on uh, uh witches in biblical times.
1: So as I say, as I said twice <laughs> now before. Okay, I've already um...
0: told you all of this information, but you didn't remember. So listen up, yeah.
1: Exactly. So basically, and um, we have to kind of think of the Bible as one of the first pieces of standardized literature that kind of went around the Western world. Obviously, people believed in witches before this, but this is one of our earliest sources. And they're mentioned in the Bible in the book Samuel 1, which is part of the Old Testament and was written around 9,000 BC. And it tells the story of King Saul. 900. Who, 900 BC, yeah. So... King Saul wanted to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit. And the only way he was going to do that was to get a witch. So he asked the witch of Endor to help him. Mm -hmm. The witch rose Samuel from the dead and Samuel prophesied that Saul and his sons would die the next day Mm -hmm. and they did. They died in battle and Saul then um, took his own life. So from this very early source of literature that was kind of spread all around Europe, we can see that there's a message here of like witchcraft is not good and it's not going to get you anywhere and then the other kind of often cited passage from the bible is exodus twenty two eighteen, 18 which is um, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live
0: right and these these witches are they they, they were in this time they were like men and women right
1: yeah so at this time you had um the term kind of magician or like person who could do magic and they were both men and women um there were two kind of types one of them was the type that um you might kind of think of as like a healer so somebody usually doing good magic um healing people maybe selling people small favors like herbs in a pouch that are going to help them to find something that they've lost and then you and they could be men or women and then you also had what's called learned magic which is um, say like the study of things like astronomy and alchemy and the study of demonology and potion making and usually those people would be men because they would have to be highly educated so that's why it was called learned magic these people usually worked for like um, a lord or a king and they're kind of what you think of when you think of, uh, like, a Mel Brooks film of, like, the guy down in the bottom of the dungeon, like, making potions. Um, or, like, uh, like in Game of Thrones, um, your man, the uh, he's like, you're uh, your one... oh my god, I can't even talk. He's like Queen Cersei's healer and he, like, gives her potions and stuff. That's what learned magic is. Right,
0: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, so we have, like, witches and witchcraft as as far back as that. But it wasn't really seen as something... They weren't too concerned about it. Like, witches weren't too much of a concern.
1: Um, No, not at all. Um, Like, contrary to a lot of people's beliefs, like, the church hasn't always been against witchcraft at all. So in the real early church, like, 300, 400, 500 A.D., there was an idea that God was omnipresent and omnipotent. So he's everywhere all the time and he sees and hears everything. And so Christianity has no reason to fear fear witchcraft because this amazing God would always protect them. So like if he's everywhere and he sees everything, then nothing bad is going to happen. So like St. Augustine of Hippo, who was like a really influential early theologian argued that only God could suspend the normal laws of the universe neither Satan nor witches had supernatural powers and his view was so influential that the medieval church never really bothered itself looking for witches or tracking down witches and even if an accusation of witchcraft did come up against them at the very most the person would be given a fine
0: You've been practicing witchcraft now, I hear, Tommy, you can't be doing that. Here's an all fine, pay it there before before the week is out and you'll be grand.
1: Exactly, they just didn't see it as a threat at all.
0: That's so interesting, yeah.
1: That continues well into the eight, nine hundreds, that people don't see it as a threat, they're not bothered by it
0: right okay um and so like that's i suppose those foundations are really important and what you said there about people believing that god was like omnipresent and and like he was you know he was was a huge
1: he was a protector yeah he was going to look after you as long as you followed um you know, his his rules of try and be nice to everybody. This
0: was this was like was this vengeful God that everyone was believing in as well?
1: Like no, not really. Like you have to kinda of think of like the old testament God is scary God, right? Mm-hmm. He's like vengeful God, he's gonna smite you, etc. But like New Testament God was awesome. Like New Testament God sent his son to earth to die for you. He sacrificed his son for you, like he loves you so much. And one of the biggest appeals of the early church was that unlike, um, say, Roman or most pagan religions, where your social status had a really strong impact on um, your kind of religious status, um, because maybe you couldn't afford to sacrifice things or maybe you couldn't afford to go on a pilgrimage versus um, like the The Christian way, which was like either Jew or Gentile, like God does not care like he doesn't care if you're the poorest person on on the planet or the richest. your soul is all that matters to him, he doesn't want sacrifices, he doesn't want money, he doesn't want animals, he just wants you to follow his rules, and if you follow his rules, you're going to go to heaven when you die, no matter how rich or poor you are, if you don't follow his rules, you're not going to heaven when you die
0: right okay um so the the belief in a in a god that looks after you if you're doing good also is like well you're not looked after if you're if you're not doing good so one of the big things that like created a huge shift in Europe um, was the Black Death so the Black Death w- occurred from thirteen forty six to thirteen fifty three and it was a a hugely traumatic event for the people people
1: in in Europe so like the bubonic plague was around since like the 1320s but Mm -hmm. in those five years that you mentioned from 1346 to 1353 it was like Europe got smacked with a double whammy of both bubonic plague Mm -hmm. which comes from fleas on rats and pneumonic plague which is a um, like a virus right so In the summer, they'd all get the bubonic plague. Mm -hmm. And then in the winter, they'd all get the pneumonic plague. Yeah. And another thing that really didn't help was Europe's population was going up and up and up. Mm -hmm. And people were moving into villages and towns, cities like Paris and London. And there was not a lot of places for them to live. So they were very crowded. And you know what happens then
0: right yeah like if people ever listen to the our podcast on disaster what coronavirus and the famine have in common we lay out like how the conditions for disaster are always ripe and that's why a, a disaster is a disaster it's because they're created they don't just happen um so it like the magnitude of the plague was was like extensive and it transformed europe Um, It was quite possibly the most traumatic and devastating event to ever take place. Um, It it took out as much as one third of Europe's population, um, and between conservatively, conservatively they believe between twenty five to thirty five million people died. Um, And so, like, I think you have to set the scene here of how, like, we're in a pandemic right now, so we have some. We have actually more than anyone, you know, in the last, I don't know how many hundred years, we have like a fairly good reference for
1: how this I'd say of, could of anyone, feels. nearly anyone alive, because mm-hmm. the, um, the 1916 Spanish flu was like, you know, it was real bad too, mm-hmm. um, but th- this was something that they had no understanding mm-hmm. of whatsoever, yeah. and I think that was the scariest thing. That you have no idea why it's come, no idea where it's coming from and no idea how to stop it.
0: Right. Yeah. So people were looking around looking for an explanation and they were being highly traumatized all the time because you could get it one day and three days later or even a week or so you'd be dead. You know, like people were just dropping like flies everywhere and it didn't it didn't discriminate obviously rich people um were not as exposed because they weren't coming into as many contact with as many people poor people live tend to you know live by because of their financial situation they live in more overcrowded places and they work in more overcrowded places so they come into contact with more people so you're going to be exposed more but everyone it touched all strata of society so it was. It really had people, like, they don't even know how many people died because the people who were keeping the ledgers fled, you know, into the countryside. Like, people, a lot of people just went into the countryside and waited it out. Like, isolated themselves completely from society for years. Um, but, so, people were really looking for an explanation. Um, like, why is this happening? Because they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it, and they couldn't. They couldn't find out. They had theories or whatever, and one of the theories they came up with was people are deliberately spreading it. So they 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 would call we would call um uh, plague spreaders. Now we have that that equivalent now. Almost like you know, people who are going around, and maybe we can understand why they were, you know, these people were spreading it because maybe they didn't believe in it, you know, they but they believed that they weren't going to get sick, and we have a perfect idea of what that person looks like, you know. And people going around, like people who won't wear masks, or people who refuse to get vaccinated, or people who, you know, they're like, I'm not going to get it, blah blah blah, and they go around spreading it. So, um, you can imagine, uh. You can imagine, even obviously, it didn't even need to be that deli- that deliberate then, because it was so easily passed on. And um, but they believed that there was plague spreaders. People were deliberately spreading it um, during the plague. A desperate Europe saw sought scapegoats, and the most common uh, group that society blamed was the Jews. So, as early as thirteen forty eight there was a panic over pestis manufacture diabolically produced disease and a rumour was already in circulation that Jews had created the plague as part of an international conspiracy to destroy Christendom. Now I don't know if people know about the current right wing conspiracy about the Jews and feminists and this is where the witch you know witches and, and, and Jews here as well as feminists and Jews it's still a theory that's going along. Like the the right wing conspiracy is that globalists, A.K.A. Jewish people, are um collaborating with feminists and leftists in the West in order to introduce um introduce uh mass immigration to take down the West and destroy. Christian society like that is not only is that a still a relevant theory that is like the dominant right-wing theory that is going on in on on the news like everything can be kind of traced back to this especially the the further online you know the the more radical corners. real
1: rabbit holes yeah the, the rabbit real holes. rabbit holes
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah cases yeah. you don't want to go
0: but even like C- tucker carlson or hannity or like any oh, of Jesus. these people trump they would be they, they mightn't be saying it out straight but they're hinting to it this is something you know like we have to save the west that's what that's about you know it, because they think it's being taken over by feminists and globalists aka the jews so anyway back to the plague they were looking for scapegoats um the jews were 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 blamed zürich banned jews forever in 19 uh 46 basel burned 200 jews after herding them into a barn and strasbourg uh 900 jews were burned and the rest expelled um now Members
1: like this was very um, common, like as well, though, like just Mm -hmm. to point out that uh, the Jews kind of were a very easy scapegoat Mm -hmm. for um, a lot of problems, um, particularly because outside of very rural areas, particularly in towns and villages, Jewish people tended to have a profession um so maybe they were tailors or bakers or goldsmiths or whatever they were and the other profession that they um practiced was usury so usury is the practice of money lending which was um at the time deemed to be against the bible so christians couldn't lend money but jews could because it's not against the torah and you see time and time and time again when uh, particularly, like from this point onwards throughout history, um, pogroms happening, which is where they would expel all the Jews from one town. And you, you, you kind of get the the impression by researching these that it was actually that a person just had a problem with a particular person, and they decided that uh, the easiest thing to do would be to kind of throw them all out and get like the whole crowd whipped up into a frenzy and get them expelled from the town. Again. Because they, the practice of money lending, you know, if you don't want to pay someone back your money, it's nice and easy to get them expelled from the town.
0: Yeah, and um, for a clarification, just usury is when you make profit off loaning someone money. So you can loan someone money, up, obviously, and not make a profit off it. You can just get back your money, but usury is when you make a profit. So that used to be illegal. and then, the de medici de medicis were that's how they got rich is like they had banks and that's uh, they were practicing usury and they were always denying it like oh no we don't do that we don't do that here it's not like that it's against our brand guidelines
1: and but, it doesn't ha- it helps that you know our uncle is the pope but we're just <laughs> no we're not going to talk about that
0: and um, but uh yeah so the oh i had something to say there now i forgot what it is
1: it was, it was like they started moving between the groups of people. So it was like, once they were like, oh, we've expelled all the Jews from the town, but we're still sick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're still dying. So who will we move on to next?
0: Yeah, so there there was, the, you know, this same theme keeps popping up again and again as people will notice. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The the um Because the expulsion of Jews, because people were indebted to them or they wanted what they had, they wanted to e- e- eliminate their economic competition um we touched on this in other podcasts when we were talking about the conservatorships and we were talking about what was the other one we did that we were talking about um
1: uh that, jealousy
0: no that kind of covers this that this covered this um this conservator about britney so it was britney and no we did another one didn't we um anyway definitely on the conservatorships was um we covered the same kind of theme it's it, it's like you know you want to you want what someone has or you want to um, eliminate them or not eliminate them but like take control of their assets it, conservatorship is an is not the same thing obviously but it is um it's another tactic of like getting getting rid of someone or getting their you know their money or their assets but anyway yeah other people who are blamed were Gypsies, turks muslims and suspected witches were also blamed for poisoning water um water supplies so witches at this time like let's remember are men and women so we're still talking about
1: um you know and they wouldn't have had a very poor standing in society they wouldn't have had a high standing in society Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't have had a very poor standing either
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you know
1: so they weren't considered like outcasts or whatever
0: right okay um I think uh, it's worth noting as well we're like we're here myth busting um you know uh, one of the things that struck me what when I was reading was someone mentioned compared like the cauldron to a bubbling um just a bubbling pot on the stove and I was like oh my god that is what it is uh of a witch you know and like then The flying broom is just a broom, and I was like, So, is the is the is a witch just like a wife who's pissed and she wants to kill her husband, but it's also a projection, you know? Because I looked into and this, so you can like um debunk this myth now, everyone who's listening. But you know, they say poison is a, w- a woman's um uh weapon, but actually way more like not way more it's like 60 40 um men poison more than women poison so again it's it's a projection it's not real it's a it's potentially like you can imagine your husband you're not treating your wife really well and you have you have like made her into this witch who like poisons your dinner um uh so yeah that was just what was going into my head I'm not saying that that's that's what was happening but um I just think it's an interesting comparison to make that, like, when you, when you look at a witch, you're like, oh, you're just a woman in a kitchen. <laughs> like, where did that, where did that come from?
1: But anyway. I definitely think the imagery was a, a point, though, of, of being, like, these are the witches' weapons because they're the woman's mm-hmm. weapons. Right, yeah. Do you yeah, know, yeah. like, kind of be like, get back in your box now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So... We have the plague. We have, like, everything's grand, kind of, you know, people are living away. We have the plague. We have the um, plague spreaders. We have the way they they deal with plague spreaders, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, We have them looking for scapegoats and finding different types of scapegoats. And then we have just, like, a really traumatised population um, in Europe, all over Western Europe. And... um, Then we get into, Sergey, you want to talk a little bit about the pushback from the church?
1: So obviously, as we've spoken about um, prior to the Black Death, there was a real thought of like an ever loving, totally chill God who, as long as you followed his rules, you were going to be fine. And obviously, when something as traumatising as the Black Death comes along, people begin looking for answers. And some of their answers are to scapegoat people, but also some of their answers are to re, to, to decide that they're not being holy enough. So there was a kind of a pushback from the church beginning um, just after the first kind of um, wave of, of plague hit Europe. In thirteen twenty six, John the twenty second issued a decree that stated that magical practices such as like the wearing of talismans or special blessed rings or um, you know maybe your your lover's favour that the local witch had um put a spell on for you to keep you safe, that these were now heretical. So they were now no longer allowed, they were against church law. And as um as the, the plague got worse and worse, kind of more and more treatises started coming from the church and being disseminated by the bishops through the various par- par- parishes. And one of these was that um, women were spiritually weaker than men, that this kind of idea was put out there that women were more susceptible to, um, to being possessed by a demon or by the devil. this was women specifically more so than men so you kind of started to um see an emphasis on a satanic pact that basically um building on a a a kind of a an unfortunate very anti-semitic idea that jews were in league with the devil building on that previous um terrible propaganda they started issuing more terrible propaganda that was basically saying that Women could be easily influenced by the devil. So, women could surrender their souls and call on the assistance of the devil, which I even think was a part of taking power away from women as well, kind of taking power away from these natural healers that um, were prevalent in Europe in towns and villages and turning them into kind of silly women who had been possessed by the devil instead of what they were previously which was kind of an odd but respected woman who helped people when they needed help with a variety of things because she was so knowledgeable so they were even taking that that knowledge away from um fr- from the women which i just thought was terrible and so this begins a real time throughout the the, the plague and and after this real time of religious turmoil
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If you want, do you want to get into
1: it? Yeah. So uh, just like the the as Tina said about like how traumatizing, um, the plague was and how people began looking for answers. This this went from you know the 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 ground to what was at the time the, the highest point on earth, which was the papacy. So the papacy at this time has a, a huge amount of power. Not only do they have the city of Rome. They they run the city of Rome. They also have a lot of armies and and they also bless every king that um is crowned. Every king and emperor had to get a blessing from the Pope. They the 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 countries of Europe had to ask the Pope if they wanted to go to War like he had a huge amount of power. And after Pope Gregory the Eleventh died in um thirteen seventy eight the Roman people rioted because they wanted an Italian elected pope. They, the the school of cardinals, elected Pope Urban IV. However, he was a really shitty pope, and many of the cardinals who regret who elected him soon regretted their decision. And they, because they couldn't um, elect a new pope because the the pope has to die before there's a new pope, they removed themselves from Rome where even though Pope Urban was still reigning they elected a guy called Robert of Geneva as a rival pope and um he took the he took the the name uh, Pope Clement VII and established a papal court in Avignon in France so this is an event known as the great schism and it would have reverberated all around Europe that the papacy has split and there is now two popes and for quite a long time, there was two popes, there were seven successive popes reigned in Rome and in Avignon. And at one stage there was even the third pope and they all excommunicated one another um, and nobody like knew who the true pope was. So this was causing like real doubt in bishops, bishoprics and parishes across Europe. And like some countries like France and Scotland sided with the Avignon pope and other countries like Ireland, the Holy Roman Empire, um, followed the pope in Rome. So this would have been like really damaging to the church's reputation, really damaging to people's faith in the church and really damaging to their faith in kind of God and his powers. Um, it was eventually um, brought to a resolution in, in um, 1414. Cardinals from both factions met in Pisa and agreed to elect a single pope, Pope Martin V. This ended the schism and brought the papacy back to Rome. But the damage had been done. Like. The church had a really bad PR problem and they needed to fix it somehow. And so Tina's going to tell us a little bit about that.
0: Um, yeah, I'll just say that, like, um, when, you know, when people like we were talking about the really deeply religious, how deeply religious people were, people were, there's a, you know, people didn't have the the ability or not, even you know, the ability, they didn't accept that God was doing this to them with the plague. You know, they didn't accept that it was God doing this. It had to be someone else. So that's why they looked for scapegoats and didn't blame God is because like, oh, someone other than God has to be doing this. And that's why they're looking for scapegoats. Um, But yeah, so you, and I thought that was so interesting where the way you were talking about how those, it, it was creating a, you know, kind of a new, there was like um, a schism, as you say, and this was a time as well after the after the after the Black Death because so many people were dead, um, and uh, it created huge social unrest across Europe. So like the when the church was split, also society was split. You know, society was cracked open, and new things were emerging, and the old was dying, and people were um, questioning religion um and they you know the reformation happened because like the churches you were saying weren't reliable people were you know all of this stuff was coming about and um i just think that like that's so interesting how the how the how the um the church split and it was like a real representation of what was happening in society um but the, the dissatisfaction that many people felt with the clergy's response to the plague contributed to the increasing displeasure with the Catholic Church. Um, the assertion that the plague was a visitation from God as punishment for sin did not satisfy everyone, particularly since it struck people down randomly, regardless of sin. Um, so I have a quote here saying, witchcraft enters the picture when rational knowledge fails. And at, at the period of time after the Black Death, you have many pandemics or many epidemics and many disasters that are happening, and each time it happens, there's like even the people who are not alive anymore. This is like two hundred years was two hundred years before the um, the witch hunts, but people are still deeply traumatized, the same as we are, kind of like deeply traumatized from the famine, um, or the famine, the yeah, the and War. um, you know, we still that's. How many years ago now? Is that nearly two hundred years?
1: Nearly, yeah. We're nearly getting up on about one hundred and eighty years ago.
0: Not a long time, and we very much remember that, and not uh, like we we have that in us, and it's not because we learned it too much from history from from school. You know, we
1: we, we it's in our DNA, it's in our psyche. Yeah,
0: people remember just from stories. So like that's how close that is. And you can imagine if like your mother or your grandmother were living through like many epidemics and many and many um uh clim climactic disasters and there's just this constant like looking for scapegoats, looking for scapegoats to blame because God is not to blame. So it's just this this boiling pot of 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 things. So at this time from the plague, there's also what is happening is the feminization of witches. So witches are now being associated more and more with the female. Um, one of the most infamous texts associated with torture and witch hunting is the Malleus Maleficarum. Can you say that?
1: Malleus Maleficarum.
0: Mm, there you go. By J- Jacob uh, Springer and Heinrich Kramer, first published in 1486. The spelling of maleficarum in the title, as opposed to maleficorum, feminizes the word according to Latin grammatical rules and makes explicit the idea of witches as solely female. The persecutors of plague spreaders, so here we have the connection again between the plague and the witch hunts. The persecutors of plague spreaders were seeking a way, sought a way to remedy the plague, um, but uh, witch hunters of the early modern period were attempting to assert control over all aspects of society. So um during the
1: if you want to learn more about the malfesis malcarium, you can check out our podcast on um women's mental health. Uh it's called That Which Cree. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of detail a really kind of just mental story about one of the writers of the Malphesis Malficarium, a guy called Heinrich Kramer. So if you want to hear more about that, please go to our That Witch Cray podcast.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, So the most direct and morbid way in which the plague relates to the witch hunts is the trial and interrogation techniques that witch hunters used. So charges were brought against plague spreaders and suspected witches of the 16th and 17th centuries were very similar. You had an intention to harm, with no inocular proof, and with uh, confessions brought out by torture. So um, they, you know, the same the same techniques were used to to interrogate witches. The most brutal way in which the plague influenced. Um, so it was the sorry, it was the same methods. The techniques of the booth, the wrath, the strapado, and various other horrible torture devices were used before the plague, but their use in plague spreaders both refined their method, methods and established them as the official tools in the repertoire of an interrogator trying to prove prove the existence of a conspiracy. The trend shows um, that the that the proof of witchcraft was not nearly as important as the accusation. So we have post plague. Scapegoats, 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 the feminization of witches, uh, a changing society, women becoming... um, Women and witches and healers starting to become a representation of an old society because what's happening now is the capitalization of society. So people are moving into capitalism as well after the... um, the plague So it's just uh, You know, what's more to say Except for um, They That That's how That's how the plague Influenced the witch hunts Or, you know, directly Informed them, I suppose um, And Yeah I think that's all, really Is it?
1: yeah it's i suppose it's just like to kind of point out again how and you can look this up yourself in in i spoke with the pogroms earlier and the the jewish people being the brunt of um, when big disasters happened but as tina was saying with the kind of epidemics and small scale disasters that wouldn't be a disaster to the whole country but would certainly be a disaster to a village like a crop failure they couldn't um, expel people who were already expelled. Mm-hmm. So they'd already expelled the Jews. So in the years following the the plague, they were now picking on these um, natural witches,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, women who uh, had, you know, for, for whatever reason, had a reputation for healing people. And they decided that for whatever reason, she's against me and i am um, going to accuse her of being a witch and as tina said it didn't matter if the person obviously was innocent or guilty but it didn't even matter if the the person was given a fine or was 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 uh was beheaded the accusation okay it's not our fault it's their fault yeah that was like uh, like it was a bit like um calming everybody's mm. nerves about whether it was going to happen again
0: Mm -hmm. also it didn't even need to be like someone who was seen to practice any kind of healing stuff the paranoia was just so like if you've ever lived in a situation where I lived in during covid when covid first hit I lived in a place where they started scapegoating um, muslims and then they started scapegoating westerners and the avoidance of us you know like people started avoiding me everywhere I went and I was like this is interesting and I was like the paranoia and the 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 tension that started to build up was I was just like whoa this is you know this is intense but I was like wow you know You can imagine the two hundred years of paranoia that has built up. So, paranoia built when paranoia builds and builds and builds, it just becomes, it just becomes like completely irrational, you know. And so, people were singling out women as witches just because they were women, um, rather than than they were doing anything. Maybe they looked at you funny, or maybe they you know something bad happened to you after you saw them people start associating things that are not there they start making connections um with um uh incidents that are you know are just coincidence they, they they're not they're not in any way connected other than in your own mind but that paranoia is so 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 powerful especially if it's in in the entire society
1: so and one thing that you were going to mention there um, that she saw sorry she spoke about there is um when they were you know want something that you had, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to talk about in our next podcast
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um just to to mention as well that like w- um during the witch hunts, women came to represent a pre modern sus- subsistence based social order um but now a a new profit driven society was emerging so it was a, a way of eliminating them because they were a threat to this new amazing thing that was happening because uh and and people were very uncertain as if it's gonna work or not. So women started becoming, you know, oh it's your fault that this is happening. So it's really I suppose the the lesson here is just like how Oh, I suppose it the, 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 the real world is just scapegoat rather than witch, you know, it's it's and and how how connected that that idea of disease and witch is. Um and just two things that came up when like literally as um two weeks ago, typhoid Mary was trending on social media. This isn't just and and I have another um story as well, but typhoid Mary so, could you
1: want to tell the story of ty- Typhoid Mary? Um, So Typhoid Mary was an Irish immigrant to America and she was a really good cook. Mm-hmm. And she was hired as a cook in several um, wealthy people's houses and there was an outbreak of typhoid at these houses soon after she worked there. So eventually the police connected the dots and they tested her for typhoid and she tested negative and she wasn't sick and... They couldn't understand what was happening. And it turned out that Typhoid Mary was a carrier for typhoid. So she presented no symptoms herself, but she had the disease. And um, they quarantined her uh, out, out on an island outside of New York. And they let her go on the premise that she wouldn't become a cook again. But she had no other way of making a living. And so she became a cook again. There was another typhoid outbreak. And then she was confined to this island for something like over a decade. And mm-hmm. she just had to live there for like over a decade um because they couldn't figure out what to do with her
0: Mhm yeah, it's like it's such an inter- it's and and a certain aspects of her story as well as the next story that I'll bring up the there is two women, two black women in Australia who broke um lockdown rules last year early last year, and their faces were plastered all over Australian news. And there was people saying, like, really derogatory racist stuff online. Um, and, like, this was at a time when, like, Australia really didn't have that many cases. Um, but they were just, like, hyper... They were just hyper-affecting... They, they were experiencing a lockdown that wasn't... I suppose they were just very sensitive. and And... There was many other people who had broken lockdown who were white and they didn't get the same treatment. So the thing that toyfied Mary has in, has in common with these two uh, black women in Australia, as well as quote unquote Bat women of this pandemic as well, um, for COVID, is that they're like um, othered um, othered non-white um w- women who who are, who are othered anyway, living in um. I suppose, uh, obviously Batwoman isn't, but, like, she has become part of this global society. But, um, like, Mary Malone, 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 she would have Malon. been Malone. She would have been, like, not considered white at the time in America when this was happening, you know, so, because she was Irish. So, it's just it's just really important. I suppose this is kind of like why we do this podcast as well, or one of the elements of it is to like understand the dynamics of what is happening behind these kind of phenomenons when they're pick up, you know, that they're, when, when they happen. It's not just that it's like happening right now and it, it, it actually has a precedent and it goes back to the plague. That's how old this, um, this idea or this phenomenon of blaming women slash witches for things that are happening um, in people's lives. So I just think, uh, yeah, that that's that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to is to uh, bring that understanding to um, ourselves. <laughs> to be honest, because I didn't kind of know that before I looked in, in, into this um, whole thing. So anyway, yeah, I think uh, that is what we have so far that's what we have for now um obviously witches are going to be a huge um topic for us and we're maybe not maybe won't be the next podcast but certainly an upcoming podcast we are going to get a little bit more pop culture on it and we're going to talk about envious witches and instagram bitches um so stay tuned for for that we're going to talk about bloggers and veils Um,
1: Which I was like obsessed with. Obsessed, I was
0: obsessed with it.
1: Yeah, it was so. So for those of you outside Ireland, like hold on to your hats. Hold on to your hats, like
0: this is just scat. Like the tea is is piping, piping hot,
1: piping Piping
0: hot. Yeah. Um. Colleen Rooney and yeah, we're going to look at wicked witches and good witches of um in pop culture too, and have a look at like what they have in common and what are the themes and um yeah. So we're gonna. Have a look at that, and I think that will be a super fun episode. I'll be super fun if you're in America. Tell us how super fun it is.
1: Like, um, if that's someone from New York listening to us now, they going to be like, That's not my accent. No,
0: it's not their accent, but it's certainly a good. I do a good Valley Girl accent. Like, oh my god, like, don't tell me I don't do a Valley Girl accent. I totally do. Um, I, I feel I like I would like.
1: I feel like i'd attempt a new york accent and it would just automatically become like some <laughs> other nationality because that's always what happens to me when i try and do accents my my i we
0: have a good one that we try to do for new york is like tammy it's your auntie mary tammy oh i like it, it. okay
1: it's not too bad that's actually much yeah yeah i'm feeling that okay cool cool Dummy. um So thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. And if there's anything you'd like us to do a podcast on or anything you're curious about, uh please do let us know on our socials. We're most active on Twitter. Mm
0: hmm Yeah. At Um, a woman's
1: place. If you're like,
0: oh God, I really want to know about this thing. I've been asked to do a one on politics to like explain what politics are, and I'm like, yeah, totally, we'll do that eventually. I want uh, people seem to be interested in the Russell Brand one because like nobody who knows Russell Brand more than I do like I know Russell Brand quite well I did a zoom call with him only a while ago with 400 people but still um you you were there I was there he was in front of me in my face um I saw him in concert one time in, in London actually but yeah, it's an it's an interesting one because he is spreading misinformation. He actually co- covered Xi uh Li Zenli as well and being like, "Is this Batwoman Woman the cause of the coronavirus?" And I was like, "Dude, No.
1: <laughs> dude, what are you no. doing?"
0: But anyway,
1: why do, so, do this, Russell? Why?
0: Why, what, Russell? No, he has become a geriatric millennial. He's just like, you know, um. live like he ha- he really is embodying. Live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like
1: it's. Oh, God, no. Yeah, no, it's
0: happening. It's God happening. Sake. Right. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. And we'll talk
1: to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.